Welcome to White Shores, the podcast for spiritual beings having a human experience. Let me invite you to walk once more beside me on White Shores to talk about the real meaning of life and the true power of what is unseen. Let's discuss dreams, intuition, manifesting, as above, so below, angels, afterlife, the science of consciousness, and other infinite possibilities within and all around you. I hope every episode informs, inspires, and illuminates. So, now the scene is set, allow the grey rain curtain of this world to roll back and all to turn to silver glass. Let's walk barefoot together on the gentle, glistening sands of white shores to see what mystery lies beyond the material. Thank you for arriving safely on White Shores, a far green country under a swift sunrise. Walking beside me today is pure inspiration, science and spirit together in one amazing scientist called Garrett Yount, PhD. He's a scientist at IONS. Now, if you've been listening to my podcast, you will know I forever talk to you about IONS, the Institute of Noetic Sciences. So you should know all about that. But if not, Garrett is here to enlighten you. Um, at IONS, his scientific research focuses on mapping the mind gene interface. Now, reading a Garrett's biography is literally. Um, <laughs> It could probably take a year. It's so long to read it. And it's just mind-blowing um, institution, um, prestigious names. So much of it. I'm going to ask him to explain it. But just a few highlights. He obtained his Bachelor of Science from the Department of Molecular and Cell Biology at the Pennsylvania State University and his PhD from the Department of Neurobiology and Behavior at the State University of New York at Stony Brook. He was then awarded two postdoctoral scholarships and it goes on and on about awards, amazing research. And um, I want you to read in the show notes about it as well um, and, and about his experiments, which have been highlighted in various media outlets, including the books Entangled Minds by Dr. Dean Radin, who's a friend of this podcast, who's been on a couple of times. You will know him well. Um, and also his experiments were dramatized in the popular novel by Dan Brown, The Lost Symbol. Indeed, I believe um, uh, Dr. Yount was the inspiration for the lead character in there. His experiments certainly were anyway. So enough talk about me from me. You want to hear from my guest. So hello, Garrett. Hello, hello, Teresa. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. I'm honored and delighted. And you know how much respect I have for all of you scientists at IONS and what a big supporter I am. And I'm making all my listeners supporters as well. So please first <laughs> just tell us how you are um, right now with the pandemic and COVID. How has IONS been coping? IONS has been coping just um, fine. We're continuing to do our science um, much of it has been shifted to online platforms, which I'll talk about a little bit today. And I'm doing great. I just want to say I'm honored to be here. I really appreciate what you do to bring attention to the inner world, both with your books and with White Shores. So um, it's really a pleasure Aww. to be here. 
thank you. And I was reading all your prestigious awards and, and academic research. But of course, the crowning achievement has to be an appearance on White Shorts. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear, sorry, I, I'm joking, everyone. I'm joking. <laughs> tell us, why were you drawn to this science of consciousness research? I mean, it's not an obvious choice, is it, for a scientist? Why this? Was there a personal reason? And why do you yeah. think this research matters so much? <laughs> I'd love to answer that question. Um, yeah, it's not a it's not a typical choice. You have a lovely um, voice, by the way. I hope when you write your books, many books, I, I can see that in the future, that you do the audio. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, well, I, there, I? Sorry, yeah. question again. Why were you yeah. drawn to the science of consciousness research? Why? Right. So it starts with when I was a kid. Um, I had some weird psychic connection type experiences. And also my dad was a hypnotist. So I saw some remarkable displays of powers of the mind growing up and was just fascinated with it. Um, then in college, I read books on astral travel and I experienced that for the first time, became even more fascinated with consciousness and theories of mind. Um, you mentioned I got my degree in molecular and cell biology. I also got a minor in philosophy of mind because I was so obsessed with it. And then when I was looking for a place to do a postdoc, before that, I went to a, a conference on lucid dreaming in Chicago, and I met Stanley Krippner. So this was in 19, 1991. And I don't know if you've had him on White Shores, but he's most famous as an expert on shamanism. Mm. Um, but he also did really cool experiments with other researchers at the Maimonides Medical Center. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly, um, but he did some experiments on dream telepathy. So I just thought he was awesome. He was my favorite speaker at this conference, and I went up to him afterwards, and I said, I want to study molecular biology of consciousness. And uh, he basically said to me, you should come out to San Francisco. You're going to feel right at home out there. Uh, so I did. I made my way out here. I met... Marilyn Schlitz, Dean Radin, Cassandra Veaton, among other wonderful, smart people, and eventually made my way to the Institute of Noetic Sciences, or IONS. Oh, the hypnotic voice. Did your dad sound like that? I'm sort of losing track of what you're saying, because your voice is very hypnotic. Well, um, yes, brilliant. he did. And my son does also have the same voice. Sometimes I hear a voicemail from him and I, I think, did I, did I send this to myself? I don't remember sending this to myself. Listen to my voice. Oh, it's fantastic. But IONS, the Institute of Noetic Sciences, could you just give people a quick overview of that? Again, if you, if you don't know about them, about IONS, shame on you, you should do. <laughs> but Garrett's here to enlighten you if you're new to the podcast. Yeah, definitely. So we, we're a small group with a big vision. Um, sometimes people hear Institute and they think that, you know, it's like hundreds of people, but we're actually a very small group, all of us dedicated to bringing a scientific approach to experiences of consciousness. Um, so there's both scientists and educators. And so we all share the belief that humanity is deeply interconnected. And I know that this resonates with your White Shores folks, isn't that right, Teresa? Absolutely. 
<laughs> Absolutely. Sorry, do, 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 so, so the research that you do there, I mean, is that your full time or is it something you do uh, alongside other, other, other research? That, that is my full time work and it is a, a real privilege. Um, yes. As I say, I've been, you know, took. So 30 years, I'll, I'll talk today about my lucid dreaming study that's ongoing which um, was 30 years ago that I had that conversation with Stanley Krippner at the Lucid Dreaming yep. Conference. So um, this is this is a, it's a dream come true for me to be doing this work um, along with these other amazing scientists from all different disciplines. Um, we have neuroscientists, clinical researchers, physicists, and uh, you know, wow. one of us is a um, brilliant, genius computer engineer. So we bring a lot of different disciplines and we collaborate with with other scientists as well, all trying to bring this scientific lens to these this inner world. So we love it. We're very lucky to be doing it. You explore the, the inner world from a scientific perspective um, and, and um, experiences people have like lucid dreams, telepathy, psychic experiences, channeling, energy healing. All this yeah. is studied in a proper academic way at ions and I, that's what i've been crying out for for years because there's too much anecdotal out there and we need some more facts data statistics to 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 use so thank you so much now you've mentioned your lucid dreaming i'd love to talk about that at the moment because it's, it's an interest of mine because i i write you know in a non-academic way about about dreaming but also I was introduced to you initially for your work on, on is it energy healing vibes? Yeah. yeah. Um, you tell me right. a bit about your research in that area. Yeah, so this has been a long standing interest uh, working with energy medicine practitioners. Um, I've been doing this with you know with the team at IONS, basically bringing practitioners from all over the world into the lab. And trying to, you know, get some evidence. Uh, again, you mentioned the anecdotes; those are great. You know, we need those, and that's what we try to collect and then get clues from and build the experiments around. So you mentioned the Dan Brown um, lost symbol reference. These were these were experiments where we had the energy medicine practitioners trying to influence human cells growing in petri dishes, and I was, you know, so tickled that those were depicted in this book. And um, I, you know, I, I think it's public knowledge that that's going to be made into a Netflix show. And, really? you know, oh, I doubt the Petri so dishes. Yeah, yeah, I would love it if the Petri dishes made it in there. I doubt that they, that they will. Um, I think, so the, the main character was really an amalgam of all of us. He just basically took everything we did and shrunk it into one person, this Catherine Solomon. That's the the protagonist of the show so so i can't claim it was after me it was it was all of us together um is, is the term noetic in in that novel is it is it oh yes in, oh it, it is the first page is saying like hey the things you know the institute of noetic sciences is a real thing um you know wow. references directly so i don't know oh, how much of that will make cool. it into the next show <laughs> yeah oh that's Very. so so cool and did dan brown visit visit there did he spend time with you all he did and he and marilyn schlitz who was the president of ions at the time um spent some time with him so yeah it was pretty exciting for us very very exciting and we love it 
if you haven't read The Lost Symbol, do, everyone. It's, it's a <laughs> brilliant read. And of course, now you know the background story, you'll be even more excited. But just to recap, noetic means inner world. Is that, am I right there? Or is that too um, limited a description? I think that's good. Inner knowing is, is usually the first kind of first pass at describing it. So events of the inner world, but inner knowing kind of direct knowing is the, is the literal, literal translation of it. So we're talking intuition here. Is that really what we're talking about? Um, or not limit, not, certainly not limited to that. So intuition mm-hmm. is, is one, one example of that inner knowing. But it's also a feeling of connection with everyone and everything, that, that kind of experience. Yes, yes, exactly. So our founder, Edgar Mitchell, um, basically had this inner feeling of interconnectedness. I think they refer to it as the overview effect. Uh, when he was looking at Earth, you know, he was an astronaut and he had this epiphany looking back at Earth that science and spirituality should be merged. And so this feeling of interconnectedness was really the driving force for the creation of the Institute. And so, yeah, he picked that word um, to try to, to try to indicate that. Well, I'm, I'm very glad he did. And I'm glad it, it today it's thriving. Did, during COVID, was there more interest in what you do? Because during times of crisis and trauma, of course, people do look inwards. Yeah, because... yeah, that, absolutely. I mean, the, the, the number of views and people uh, involved really, really grew quite dramatically. And of course, we had that reflected, didn't we, in, in, in what was on the movies and what was on the TV. You had things like Surviving Death uh, doing really well on Netflix, the Disney movie Soul as well. Oh. Were, were you guys um, asked to about the afterlife scenes in that for that movie? Yeah, actually, we were because one of the scientists I mentioned, the the computer engineer, is um, one of the co-founders of Pixar. So he's retired now, Lauren Carpenter. But uh, he and Cassandra Veden were invited over to Pixar to consult on that movie, and there they had some um, pretty important inputs for that. I'll let. I'll let you, uh, you could do a, another podcast on that because um, it's so oh, interesting. Disney yeah. Soul. Did you, did you watch it? Oh, I did with my family. Cried like a baby. <sighs> Love it. Sublime, isn't it? Absolutely. It is. But what a development that Disney <laughs> is mainstreaming this. Yes. For a audience and a family audience. This would have been unheard of, wouldn't it? 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. It's beautiful. These topics that kids are getting. And now as I, I whenever I'm asked about what what do you write about, I just say sometimes when I'm tired, just go and watch Soul. Sums <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it up. They did it so, so beautifully. Um, but your current area of research, which you were referring to earlier, is lucid dreaming. Now I'm exploring that at the moment because I've sort of been a dream decoder, sort of like helping people decode the symbols of their dreams mm. you know the, mm. the, the nocturnal symbols that can help with our psychological and emotional growth if we analyze them because I very much think that most dreams are your nocturnal intuition or therapy mm, yeah. at night, helping you grow but there is this category of dreams isn't there lucid dreaming which I only realized recently um, and I wish I'd known because I was writing another book I would have done so much about what you're doing um, about dreaming because a missing part of my dream literature has been lucid dreaming I haven't gone there um, mm. but I've just recently been digging deep into it and but you are pioneering right now aren't you in 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 that can you tell us what what your research study is focused on and how you're conducting it yeah absolutely and I wouldn't call myself a pioneer I've been wanting to do this forever and I've been 
lucky to be able to collaborate with with true pioneers and to yes to pull this together um and so i just to quickly bring everybody up to speed in lucid dreaming um you know this is a hybrid state of consciousness and as you say it's a different kind of dream because the dreamer wakes up inside the dream your waking consciousness is there with you and you realize you're in a dream and this allows the dreamer to gain intentional control over elements within the dream um inception yeah yes inception uh you know currently you know kind of gaining fascination of course it's been talked about since ancient times you know in the broader discussion of consciousness you know one example is the buddhist practice of waking up and sleep um and then my personal uh favorite are the carlos castaneda books um the anthropologist who wrote about the toltec tradition in the book journey to ixlan i don't know have are you familiar with those books teresa i am i am yeah. yes so the technique he talks about learning from this toltec shaman about telling yourself you're going to look at your hand as you're falling asleep and this is kind of a self-hypnotic suggestion so that if you're in your dream and you see your hand then you realize oh my gosh i'm the one that said i was going to remember to look at my hand so i'm actually asleep and i'm in a dream so this kind of lights up this um this awareness inside the dream um and there's cool neuroscience now being done about it you know the 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 part of the brain lights up when lucidity is achieved that's normally suppressed normally shut down during dreaming it's their right dorsolateral prefrontal cortex so there, there's cool science you know cool neuroscience about it and there's been quite a bit of um studies on this kind of the psychology of it and so what we wanted to do at ions was kind of take it into the into the world of healing we have a dash of physiology in there so you know so we're excited to do it and we're really fortunate to collaborate with an awesome awesome lucid dreaming teacher his name is charlie morley he's, he's over there British, is he british he is Yes, yep, I yep. do know very well. I do know of him, yes. He's living in London with his um, miniature wiener dog called Waffles. <laughs> and, <laughs> and he's a lovely, lovely person. Um, he's also authorized to teach lucid dreaming within a Tibetan Buddhism school. And yeah. he's got all kinds of accolades. He was awarded a Winston Churchill Fellowship Grant and I don't know if you know of these very prestigious but to do research on on dreaming practices specifically for um, people with ptsd so this was the big you know collaboration this this team came together and um this is the did, 18 this is yeah brilliant. yeah and uh, my my co-pi helena wabe who i know you've interviewed yes. and she's so lovely and so smart um, brings this clinical expertise. So we we basically recruited dreamers who were experiencing PTSD um, to come to a study. They're all troubled by nightmares. And we invited them to in, join this intensive workshop online. So I mentioned that this is one of the shifts due to COVID, right? So they were all going to be in their homes. They were going to come into this intensive workshop, spend a week, 
with Charlie Morley, teaching them how to do lucid dreaming with this emphasis on having a healing lucid dream. So that's kind of the setup. Um, our primary outcome measure was a PTSD questionnaire that's used in clinical settings. And I can describe more of that if you like. And, you know, our basic hypothesis was that symptoms of PTSD would decrease um, after this workshop. So what would you like me to talk about a little bit more about how it's designed? I'd love to know a, a personal story or a, a specific example would be great because people often hear about studies and it feels so um, distant. Yeah. Do you know, have a per I mean, obviously you don't give any names or details, but someone who had a trauma and has found healing and benefit. Oh, oh my. Well, yeah, there's so many. Yeah. So it was an intense, intense experience. Um, I just, let me, I love that, love that way of framing it. I just like describe a day in the life of one of the participants going through this study. How's yes, that? Like, please, right. I love that. So, you know, to begin with, all of them came to the study were experiencing PTSD. So this is how they came to us. So every single one of them was dealing with this. Many of them were veterans, not all of them. Some of them were other other traumas, but all of them were actively dealing with, uh, with PTSD symptoms. So let's just, you know, let's just pick a Tuesday. So they wake up, they got to write, you know, write down in their dream log, right? This was one of the, what was the first technique that Charlie talked to them about, because some people don't even remember their dreams. So just the act of writing down your dreams, keeping a dream log will elicit this natural ability to remember your dreams. And importantly, even if you can't remember them, you still take the time to write down, I don't remember any dreams. Charlie would might prompt them to say, maybe say kind of how you're feeling. Were you, did you wake up happy, sad? But just that act of your, your waking self, paying attention to your dreaming self kind of sets this emotion. And then, of course, he gave all these other techniques that kind of build on that. But so back to Tuesday, wake up. Write down your dreams, and then us scientists pop in this these questionnaires, right? This was kind of our scientific footprint, which we wanted to try to minimize, right? We wanted these people to actually have a healing lucid dream, but of course we wanted to study it and get data, so we tried to be really soft, as soft as we could. But here it is, the first thing pops up for them. Right away, they've got to fill out this questionnaire about after they do their dream log, then they've got a questionnaire from, from the science team, which was, you know, did you have a lucid dream? And then if yes, no, maybe. And so then if they did, or maybe it goes to a standardized questionnaire. And, and again, I'll, uh, you know, we were lucky to have a really um, famous world-renowned expert on lucid dreaming, Tadas, Tadas Stumbries from Vilnius University in Lithuania. Oh, I know that name. Yeah. Yeah. I, I that study yes yes awesome very generous yes. uh, and basically helping us use instruments that are validated so that our results can be compared with other researchers in the field so you know really just doing it dotting our i's and crossing our t's doing it the right way um and and this standardized questionnaire in lucidity was just so much fun i mean i i loved it i just like stare at it you know because it goes through all these different like okay you had a lucid dream everybody knows it's when you wake up and decide your dream but it takes you through all these nuances of it and you have to answer like from zero to four like not at all or very much like 
you know, what I can think of off the top of my head. Like I was aware that my physical body was asleep. You know, so as I mentioned, you, you know, realize that your, your body's in the sleep in the bed. And then it's like, I was aware that all my dream characters were not real. Um, another one was I changed dream events in the way I wanted. And, you know, more like that. And then the one that was kind of our key ingredient because we wanted to study healing lucid dreams um, was I clearly remembered my intentions that I wanted to do in this lucid dream and that is specifically healing. So each day they would go through this. And then we had a small group of folks that were local to our lab here in the San Francisco Bay Area. Now the dreamers were from all over the world, but the five of them that lived close to us um, we asked them to collect saliva each morning, three times a day. So they had to spit before they, they, they were allowed to go take a pee, but they couldn't brush their teeth or eat anything or have coffee until they gave us, you know, collected their spit for us. So that was just a, a small group of five, just to test this, the feasibility of the physiology measure. And so then they go into these, you know, big intensive sessions with Charlie. We also had um, a psychotherapist, as part of all of the sessions, um, James Scurry, he's a wonderful, wonderful therapist, has works with Charlie all the time when he's uh, doing workshops with with folks with PTSD. So it was incredible to have him there because a lot of the issues that you know it was pretty challenging um, to face the issues that were brought up in the dream. So there would be teaching about lucid dreaming, dream sharing circles, yoga nidra sessions, and then lucid dreaming exercises. You know very intense and then breaks and then another one so all day long you know like basically three you know hour and a half long sessions with all this homework in between and guided meditation and then um charlie would give them their okay here's what you're going to do tonight and each night it was a little different but the the key thing was that they would set an alarm to wake up at these certain periods. So give themselves enough time to sleep, reach the rapid eye movement stage of sleep, and then wake up with an alarm, again, right down in the dream log, and then fall asleep to an audio recording of Charlie Morley giving them a new induction technique. And talk about hypnotic voice. Mine is nothing compared to his. <laughs> he is completely mesmerizing. It's, it's, well, it's he would be the voice of your dreams. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Yeah, that's a well-known way to trigger, uh, potentially to trigger a lucid dream, isn't it? To the wake back to sleep, isn't it? Sort of. That's exactly right. I'm I'm curious because there are people listening who this sounds wildly exciting. I mean, it is the ultimate high, isn't it? Waking up knowing you're dreaming because you can be and do anything if you can just handle the fear and stay calm. Because whenever it happens to me, usually I get like inception, the the dream collapses and I wake up because I'm so pleased with myself it's happened. (laughs) I know know exactly (laughs) what you're talking about. And this buzz of electricity all over your body and you just get connected to everything. It's so over, yeah, it's so exciting. You just know then that there is more to you than the body and the material. You just know. It's just that knowing. We all need reminding of that. But what I'm asking is people are listening and and they maybe had it as a child once or twice, but haven't recently experienced it. Can everybody learn to lucid dream or are there certain types that are more prone to it? Are there certain um, personality traits, for example, that make you more likely to lucid dream? Well, yes, yes to both. 
Yeah, yes to both of those. So I believe everybody can do it. Some people definitely have more propensity to do it. So they have it spontaneously. And that was another uh, questionnaire that we had, you know, it's like, how often do you have it? So some people have it spontaneously, very occasionally. Some people have it spontaneously, pretty frequently. Some people never have it, but with training, they absolutely can have it. Um, And another thing to mention that Charlie emphasizes is that this is a very safe space because something about your subconscious won't allow you to try to do something that you're not ready for. Um, a great example, you know, again, without any names is um, somebody in the study came back in the dream sharing and said, you know, I, I woke up, I asked, I called out to the dream. I want to meet my inner child. And uh, a waiter came by with a tray and handed it over with a little card that said, you're not ready. And this was just, and so the you know person just went on to do other things. But Charlie really loved that as an example of how you're you're in there taking care of yourself, and so it's safe. And and James Scurry was uh, you know elaborated on that that he thinks this is a safer place than talk therapy in terms of um, not re-traumatizing. So I think that's a really key aspect of lucid dreaming, especially for healing. I think the people there's a lot of fear and misunderstanding about it, isn't it? People think yeah. you can stuck in a lucid dream or that you lose lose, you know you go out of body and you stay out of body I mean that's the stuff of Hollywood movies isn't it right Um, and there is so much fear and thank you to you and to the wonderful Charlie um we are both wonderful wonderful (laughs) for for taking the fear and misunderstanding and and bringing in some science and actually showing that actually you, you do need a bit of logic and reason as well with lucid dreaming it's not all wildly you know, infinite and intuitive and whatever that you actually yeah. need to bring in logic in it and do certain things like, you know, the wait back to sleep technique and looking at your hands. These are all quite logical things to do, aren't they? That you're bringing into the dream. Exactly. Exactly. A, a, a bit of reason. That, that's wonderful. When are the results of the study going to be published and how can people find out about the study and well, I and you? Okay. So we're in the middle of analyzing it. I hope that we'll finish. We'll get the data by the end of the year and you know publish as soon as we can we'll we'll submit it to publicate you know to journals in the spring um to tune in to the website there's publications on the ions website which is just ions.org so i-o-n-s.org and of course anymore because i've been is it changed um i don't know if it's changed but i know that ions.org is that might that might work as well, but it's... Let me just check. Karen, yeah, I'm going to check. Oh, yeah. When you do ions, it goes to noetic.org. So, obviously, they've got the um, domain. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to check because I, I do say noetic.org, and I'm thinking, ah, oh, no, I've been sending people to... to oh, good. They both work. They both work so, then. That's fantastic. Um, oh, my goodness. And so that's your main focus at the moment, right? That's um, right. My main fascination, too. <laughs> Is there anything else that you're doing alongside that? Uh, but it's the main area where you're 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 deep into it at the moment. Yeah, I'm very deep into that. We're doing spin-off, so to speak, experiments from the energy medicine uh, study that we just completed. A huge study, over 200 folks with uh, carpal tunnel pain came in to receive treatment from over seven, I think, 17 different modalities of energy healing. And what so was the we, results of that? What, what, we, what 
we published those results, a series of papers early this year in the journal Explore. So, you know, the headlines were their pain went down with a single energy medicine session and it stayed down for three weeks. So it was pretty remarkable clinical response. Um, and it was a pilot study. So we did a, threw a whole bunch in there, you know, everybody in the team threw some fun stuff in, like Dean put in water to, to witness the healing and did spectrophotometry measurements and found a cool thing that looks like hydrogen bonds were stretching. And we did a, we had a clairvoyant that was witnessing all of the sessions and taking so notes. Just there, Garrett, I'm interested that when you choose um, people to take part in your studies, you know, people yeah. who are looking for energy healing for their pain or whatever, their, you know, arthritis, carpal tunnel, whatever. How important is it that these people actually are inclined to believe that energy medicine works? Or do you get people who are skeptical yet to be convinced or not deep? I mean, I, I'm, what I'm trying to say is, do you preach to the converted with your studies or do you get people who are not sold on it you know to don't not sold is the wrong word but yeah, yeah. you see what i'm trying to say how important yeah, yeah. Is, it, is the is the is the subject's belief that this will work so it is important and we want all we want to see the whole spectrum so that's a key part of their entry into the project not screening them for one or the other but collecting that information because then at the end we do the statistic to see did it matter Right? Did the people who experienced healing, you know, were those only the ones that believed it or not? And so that's that's a key. We don't screen it out, but we include that data in the analysis. So it's a very important aspect of kind of slicing and dicing the data, if if mm. you know what I mean. And so the, the the kind of the outcome for that study was that it didn't matter whether they believed it or not, they had the same degree of relief from pain. So that's just one data point, but it's, yeah, it's very interesting. Fascinating. Oh, I hope people go and check out this study, the lucid dreaming study, ionsnoetic.org, please do. And of course, Garrett. And Garrett, I'd love to be able to say you've got a book coming out and we're condensing your life and your experiences and your research. I hope that that's coming at some point. <laughs> say, because Helena Wabe hasn't she she's got the science of channeling Dean yeah. of course, with his I love real magic um yeah. and his other books um it just I just think all of you are so epic mm. and so different and you're also different personalities as well um, yeah that's true. Hear, hear more more about the great work you do because I do think it's pushing humanity forward it's helping us all learn about what truly matters in life and that's why i'm so passionate about <laughs> supporting ions um at every opportunity i get so thank you so much for taking the time today before you go can i ask you a few light-hearted questions because we're in the festive season absolutely um, first of all, actually i'm curious a dream you've had it doesn't have to be lucid that yeah. has come have been really spoke to you and really helped you move forward in your life or understand something about yourself or life itself <laughs> if you don't want to share that because it's very intimate isn't it because you're sharing a piece of your soul when you share a dream why yeah. do you, you know can you tell us a bit more well, about the science of dreaming sure well yeah I'd, I'd love to share I love sharing dreams um the one that I just had was um sitting at oh, the dinner a recent table. dream excellent Yes. Yeah. I mean, we, uh, this is a, the, our family 
has the habit of doing this. So it's, it's fun for me. Um, but I was sitting at a dinner table with the family and a cat jumped up on the table and just kind of meandered, made herself right at home, kind of sat down and started having dinner with us. And it was kind of a slow motion scene. And I think the aspect that was noticeable to me is that we just sat there as if nothing strange was going on. And really there was no, no kind of climatic dramatic event. It was just like, this was happening and all kind of in slow motion. So anyway, that I just, just had that. And I, I think what it means uh, at least at one level is basically reflecting me working out the, the tension. Well, I'll say yeah. rather the, the balance between my work life and my home life uh, because the cat represents work. Cause recently one of the young scientists on the team asked me to cat sit for him <laughs> on a vacation. So we had two adorable fur babies living with us at home for a while. They are the symbol of, of mystery, aren't they? Oh, and yes. And intuition and all these inequalities. They are. You know, they magical. are, aren't they? When a cat appears in the dream, that's powerful because you've got all the universal common symbolism of cats to draw on as well. Yeah, yeah. So of course she'd be dreaming. <laughs> on the dinner table as well so it's your emotional sustenance and yeah in. love it oh thank you so much sure. Next question because there is an explosion of interest um you know because i'm i'm sure you're probably way too busy um social media and all this but there's an explosion of interest now um because of covid always happens in times of crisis and trauma in manifesting abundance astrology ancient divination mm. you know energy healing and especially astrology at the moment i'm being asked so much about astrology now and what it's all about and i i approach it as a psychological self-help tool i think mm. it can really help what is your your sun sign and have you felt that it's you do you feel that it it expresses you um do you feel yeah. true to your sign do you think that astrology has any value in the modern world yeah well i'm a gemini uh-huh. Interesting. I definitely <laughs> well, resonate yeah, with that. The sky and the, on the earth, the twins. Interesting. Yeah. Sorry, not up, Teresa. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I definitely resonate with that, and I like what you said. I, I agree. I think it's an awesome self-help tool. Um, because it, you know, for me, it, it, I, it helped boost self-compassion for me. Um, a memory that stands out for me in that regard was a, a card given to me a while back by a friend. Uh, I think it was for my birthday, but it, it read something like, you know, to my dear friend, the Gemini, the uh -huh. both of you need help. The both of you need help. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Is it, is, it the shadow, is it the shadow side of you? And, and, the, and yeah. the side of you as yeah. well? Integrate that and communicate. Exactly. I took it to, yeah, I took it to mean like, you know, the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde tendencies of yes. me were like, they were noticeable to others, you know, but still lovable, like, well, maybe yes. annoying to others, but, you know, still lovable. So both sides of me were lovable. So that, that felt good. Oh, they're, one, well, they're the ultimate communicators, aren't they, Gemini and the air sign, you know, um, I, I, fascinating. So now I know you're a Gemini that I should have asked before, because that would have, you know, I like to know before sometimes what people's sign are because I do find it as a great icebreaker as well and a way to kind of get yeah. a little bit of insight into someone. So yeah. anyway, 
final question, and I'm I'm wondering, I don't think you will be asked this in any of your other interviews. Um, <laughs> <laughs> tell me if you do, but I'm trying to unravel in this, this season of, of White Shores the meaning of the 12 days of Christmas, or spirit, ah. as I say, because I'm non, non-religious, as I know. Many my, some of my listeners are religious, but most are spiritual, not religious, as many of us are today. This song that we hear all the time in, in December, and I'll run through the symbols, and I want to ask if any of them resonates with you and why, which symbol why. So we've got the partridge in the pear tree, the turtle doves, the French hens, the calling birds, the golden rings, the geese are laying, the swans are swimming, the maids are milking, the ladies dancing, the lords are leaping, the pipers piping, and the drummers drumming. First of all, what's it all about? <laughs> why is it stuck? You know, why is it something? And and which of those days speaks to you? Mm, mm, that's hilarious. <laughs> which um, one? Which one? Do you feel I'll like tell you. My I have <laughs> I have never thought of this uh, that it was about anything other than you know gifts that people in olden times would be psyched to get. So you know, it, it, it's funny. It reminds me of turning up songs in the car, you know, 80s songs that I loved when I was a kid and blasting it. And my kids are like, they listen. And I never pay, I don't even remember what the lyrics are, right? And the kids are like, dad, that's so creepy. Why do you like that song? Do you hear what they say? So I think it's the same with this. I just have never thought into it, but okay. Prompted to do so. I think speak in symbols and I think this I think this must be symbolic meaning also the numerology I'm sure comes into it but which of those that's cool I think of them as symbols I don't know I'm a little bit I would shy away from the ones about giving me people like the maids and milking you know okay you're not a maid of milking okay you know was it consensual what are the terms of this what are the hours (laughs) of the milking um plus I'm more of a soy milk or almond milk kind of guy so could they be cross-trained? Because yeah, it would be cool to have soy milk every day, but it's a lot of work. I, um, I know what I, I intuitively think you are a calling bird because um, <laughs> of the voice. Ah, um, anyway, nice. if you want to be a partridge or if you want to be a piper. I'm going to, um, you know, I think to be safe, uh-huh. I would love to have five golden rings. I would love Five to golden rings? Why? Yeah. Is it the same well, I think it's um, referenced back to the Lord of the Rings, which... Oh, thank you. Really, really... Forgotten White Shores was based on Lord of the Rings. <laughs> thank you, yes. Garrett, for reminding my listeners <laughs> of White Shores. I have, you know, you know, it's gone beyond I, that, but yeah, it was. White Shores. I love I love that reference. White, um, yeah, the White Shores and Lord of the Rings. And Lord of the Rings was absolutely one of the most important books of my childhood so i i just love that reference i really do (laughs) oh thank you well when ian mckellen says it in it's on youtube that clip when he's talking to the hobbits oh nice white shore oh it's beautiful actually ian mckellen i live in windsor is at the theater in windsor at the moment playing hamlet he's in his 80s whoa he's he's playing hamlet the lead part age is just a number everyone <laughs> that is so cool i never so thought cool. of hamlet in his 80s and i'm just wondering who they cast as the father and the uncle in that movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> you can actually sit on the stage and and you know sorry i'm i digress but he's uh, you know gandalf is at windsor royal theater uh, doing hamlet as i record beautiful. this <laughs> beautiful oh thank you thank you so much for humoring me garrett and i've taken up 
a lot of your precious time because try time is giving someone that your time is a really unique gift that you can't get back so thank you so much for sharing it with me today and thank uh, you for all, all that you are and all that you do ah uh, it's my pleasure and thank you thank you Teresa thank you from my heart and soul for being here and walking beside me in spirit on white shores sensitive kind compassionate souls like you who see beyond the material are needed more than ever today to help this earth heal and evolve if you have any questions stories or insights to share i absolutely love hearing from you and aim to reply to everyone in due course my website is www.teresachung.com. My contact email is angeltalk710 at aol.com. And you can message me via my Instagram handle, the Teresa Chung, as well as my Facebook and Twitter author pages. Until we meet again on these white shores, keep being amazing spiritual you, sending my eternal love and gratitude. <laughs>